People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Game week 12 is here and it's time for another episode of Premier League Insights. Here once again to share some insight from the InfoGold model is Jake Osgathorpe. How are you Jake? Good weekend? Yeah, not too bad thanks Ben. Like we said off air, just uh, there's not too much you can be doing at the moment other than watching football. So uh, there's plenty of that being done. Um, thankfully we had a couple of good matches, um, a couple of damp squibs in there as well obviously. I think the West, Ham, uh, West Brom Palace game was more entertaining than Spurs Arsenal but uh, no one probably thought that would be the case. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a strange weekend again, dominated well, certainly last night, dominated by some some dodgy decisions. Um, like you said, we had a brief chat about the, the West Ham one and obviously it's come to light that that, that certainly went out and West Ham would have 100% got the win um, if that was given. <laughs> um, but in, in terms of our, our prediction contest, it was a bit of a tough one. I think um, Pinnacle may managed to to gain some ground with the the Tottenham win when InfoGoal went with both teams to score. Um, both of us fell victim to a, a pretty decent attacking performance from Liverpool as we both went with under two point five, and I think that was out the windows straight into the second half. Um, we're, we're tied up at nine correct predictions each in terms of the season long um, contest, but I think InfoGoal has done a good job of, of getting a few correct predictions at decent odds and, and you now have the edge in terms of profit. Um, both of us are still in profit though, which which obviously isn't bad going. Um, what game are you going for this weekend as your highlight fixture? Yeah, there are quite a few interesting games to look at this weekend. I'm looking forward to getting stuck in, but I'm going to go for the the Arsenal-Burnley one, which stands out to me as a, as a decent value bet. Uh, which obviously we'll touch on later in the show. All right, great. And then Pinnacle's one is the the fairly obvious Manchester derby, Manchester United versus Manchester City. And and as you said, we'll we'll dive into our predictions a little bit later, but we'll we'll get on to the the other games first. We've got Leeds versus West Ham is the one that gets the weekend underway. Both sides heading into it after 3-1 losses at the weekend to, to teams that will be challenging for sort of top four. Um, both of them also actually took the lead before conceding three goals. Um, it is one where you look at the XG figures from those matches and certainly if you've watched the game as well, I think West Ham are the one team out of the two that can consider themselves unlucky. Uh, they put up 2.67 expected goals against what has been a, a pretty decent Manchester United defence. They conceded just 1.56. Um, joked at the top of the show about the ball going out. It, we've learned since that it that it did go out. I don't know how much impact that would have made. You, you're obviously playing a bit of a guessing game there. Um, but but there's positives there for West Ham, I think. Um, Leeds, on the other hand, they, they gave away a ton of good chances against Chelsea. They they didn't really create much outside of the Bamford goal, so I don't think there's too much complaints from them in, in terms of that result. But these are two two pretty good sides who I think we should see in the in the top half of the table come the end of the season or, or there or thereabouts. West Ham do have the, the slightly better process when looking at the underlying stats, but Leeds have perhaps, I think there's a few games where they've done enough to get more out of them um, and they, they really should be closer than, than three points away from West Ham at the moment. The odds do have Leeds as the home favourites. Odds of 2.20 give them a 44% win probability. Uh, West Ham have a, a 30% chance of getting the win at 329 
um, and the draw is on 26% chance at 3.8. It's also interesting that over 2.5 is heavily favoured by the market at the moment. So perhaps we're we're going to get the weekend underway with a with an entertaining game. What do you think, Jake? I won't be too sure about that. Um, I think that there is a potential for this to be a really tightly contested, low-scoring affair, given what we've seen from Leeds against um, certainly against teams that play in a, in a low block um, that look to, to counter-attack. Usually those teams play in a back five. I'm, I'm thinking about Sheffield United, Wolves, Arsenal, who went to Ellen Road and played a back five. Uh, West Ham obviously operate the same system, and, and I think that they'll... They'll look at this Leeds team, see how um, you know how dominant they usually are with possession, and probably try and sit back a little bit and soak up a bit of that pressure and, and look to spring on the counter attack. And uh, I think that, that could make for a really uh, interesting game, not not potentially not an entertaining game. And um, you know, the only real teams that have, have really hammered Leeds this season have been those of, of a really high caliber. I'm thinking Chelsea. Obviously, at the weekend, they racked up 4.66 expected goals, which is uh, the most that Leeds have conceded since the return to the Premier League. Liverpool went close to that, about 3.5 in the opening day. And it was a, a really comfortable victory. And obviously, Leicester also scored four um, and really hammered Leeds at home, uh, racking up three expected goals in that game. So, when it comes to the, the better opponents, I think Leeds, they're, they're so gung-ho in the, in the way that they're playing. They're so confident that they, they can take their game to anyone I think that they can be found out and picked off by the, the better sides and um, West Ham are probably they're not obviously not at that that sort of caliber but they're not too far away so Leeds do need to be a little bit careful in terms of the process this season Leeds um, obviously have been really impressive in terms of attacking numbers they've racked at 1.7 expected goals four per game defensively though they are putting up numbers that are really concerning um, 1.93 expected goals against per game and that is uh, it's, it's a, a level that is very worrying compared to what we've seen in recent years. Only West Brom have conceded more expected goals against this season than Leeds. Um, they've now conceded more than Fulham, Sheffield United, um, the other two strugglers down there. So defensively, they are very vulnerable and that's something that West Ham will be looking to exploit. And West Ham, like you said, have been really unfortunate the weekend with that that decision that ultimately led to uh, Paul Pogba's goal and Manchester United's fight back. If that goal doesn't go in, it's hard to really say what happens. But up until that point, I think West Ham were winning the XG battle 2.5 to 0.1. So it was utter domination, really, from West Ham up until the Paul Pogba, uh, Paul Pogba goal. And West Ham really only had themselves to blame. They missed so many big chances. I think, obviously, in the, at the start of the second half, the one that springs to mind is uh, Jared Bowen at the back post, which, um, you know, I think he hit the side net and that would have made it 2-0 and probably game over. But it was a really impressive performance in the way that they uh, dictated the game without the ball. I think obviously, Manchester United had most of the most of the ball, but it was West Ham who uh, who made the most of it when they did have it. And um, the the really impressive and intelligent press was uh, was really good to watch and something that Leeds do need to be wary of. And as it you know, as terms of head to head, West Ham are the better of the two teams based on XG process so far this season. One point six expected goals for one point four against for West Ham, which is really impressive considering the you know the one of the opponents that they've played Manchester United at the weekend um, obviously they've already played Manchester City they played Liverpool they played Tottenham they played Leicester Wolves Arsenal so you, basically the entire um, of last season's top eight they've played barring Chelsea already so that process to come out of those matches with that process is really really impressive and uh, you know Leeds are the rightly favourites to win this, but I do think they're a little bit short. We've got them at forty-two percent chance of getting the victory, so there is a small amount of value in getting on side with West Ham. I wouldn't put anyone off uh, backing West Ham to get something from this game. Um, 
But I'm looking at the goal line, like I said at the start. I'm, I think the, the over two and a half is potentially a little bit too too short at the prices. The model's got around a 52% chance of the over 2.5 coming in. So it's still favoured, but the, the value is definitely on the unders. And um, yeah, I, I think that given the setup, West Ham will probably operate. I think we could be in for a, a bit of a, a more cagey game than potentially people are expecting. And uh, I, I wouldn't expect this to become a, a shootout because that doesn't tend to be the way that David Moyes plays. All right, then we'll we'll, we'll move on to our, our next game and it's uh, Wolves versus Aston Villa. Interesting West Midlands derby. If if you were looking at this fixture pre-lockdown last season, I think Wolves would, would certainly be odds on and, and maybe a little bit shorter as well. Um, they are still the favourites, but odds of 2.36 suggest just a, a 41% chance of the win. So not as high as, as some might think. Aston Villa and the draw are 3.32 and 3.36 respectively. So it's both around sort of 29, 30% there. Uh, Villa are coming into this after they've had a bit of a break due to no game against Newcastle. I said there about Liverpool's attacking um, display against Wolves. I think Wolves just, uh, they took a bit of a beating. It wasn't quite a 4-0 game, but but Liverpool were comfortable. Wolves didn't really threaten. Um, it feels like for them, they're really going to struggle without Jimenez and, and they'll certainly have to dip into the transfer market next month to sort things out, I think. Um, Villa now have, they've got two games in hand on most of the league. If they win both of those, they'd actually move into a share of fourth. So it's it's certainly been a decent start for them. Could have been better if they got a result against West Ham, where I think we said last week, everything just seemed to go against them. But they've got, a, I think they've got good chances or as good a chance as they will, will have had in, in quite some time to get one over on their local rivals here. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game, actually, uh, especially given what we've seen from Wolves in recent weeks, the way they've they've changed style, they've changed tactic, been a little bit more open. To the detriment, obviously, at Liverpool, the way that they got beat quite comfortably. Uh, 4-0, it was a flattering scoreline uh, based on expected goals. Liverpool racked at 1.67 expected goals. So a clinical display. Obviously, there's a couple of uh, long-range shots, uh, goals in there. Wijnaldum's obviously springs to mind, but... Um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was an interesting one. The reason I went for the unders in that game was because I thought Wolves would revert to a little bit more um, of a solid formation. Their foundations that they came up with the back five be tough to beat going to Liverpool, but Nuno seems set in uh, in sticking with this back four system and the four three three. They've got some really really tricky attacking players uh, like of Pedence. Reminds me a bit of Eden Hazard the way he walks around. He's quite diminutive, but very very low center of gravity and a great control. Um, Pedro Neto's come on leaps and bounds and obviously you've got Adama Traore too who's um, an absolute handful I think he scored the winner in, uh, when these two teams last met post-break so uh, yeah, there's still a lot of firepower there even in Jimenez's absence and um, yeah, I do agree with you though I think that they are going to struggle with without him because he is a focal point to everything that they do and I think he suits that 4-3-3 system quite well as well being able to play off him and uh, and bring people into play similar to a Firmino role at Liverpool. So he is a miss. Um, be interesting to see whether Nuno opts to play the young boy um, Silva if he comes in there and plays uh, as a number nine as opposed to a false nine in which they've operated in the last week and a half. So um, yeah, there's a lot of things going going on, but I do think that this Wolves team are just slightly ahead of Villa still. Villa have obviously been really impressive the start of the season, not only their uh, results but the performances. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to to really say anything negative about them. Every every metric that we've got at the moment, they they stand up really well. Eighteen point two expected goals for, averaging over two expected goals for per game, uh, and defensively their process has been 
as impressive really that if you just take isolate their the process 2.02 expected goals for 1.28 expected goals against per game it is um that's a type of process you expect to see from a, a team that finishes in the top four never mind uh, the top half so really positive signs and the other thing that I like looking at is uh, big chances and uh, non-penalty big chances specifically. And so far this season, no team has generated more non-penalty big chances than Aston Villa. They've racked up 20 in nine matches. Obviously, six of those came against Liverpool. Um, but on the flip side of that, no team has conceded fewer non-penalty big chances than Villa either. Just four conceded in nine matches. So um, Dean Smith's doing a, a really, really impressive job. Uh, they did. They have hit the skids of recent. Uh, recently, though, they've won just once in the last five. Lost four of those. Uh, a couple of those obviously were undeserved. At West Ham, for example, they racked up two point seven expected goals to West Ham's zero point five nine, um, and came away with a two one defeat that was very undeserved. And similar against Brighton, although Brighton did create a few more chances. Um, against Southampton was the same case as well. But that, that game was pretty much over thanks to some clinical finishing from Southampton that put them 4-0 up. So they are showing a little bit of uh, or signs of vulnerabilities, especially on the counter-attack. I think they're playing a little bit more um, more openly themselves now that they've got a bit more talent around. Um, they, they, they look a dangerous side when they attack, for sure. But I think this Wolves team will fancy the chances of getting something. And um, you know, we're still, what are we, 11 games in? The Infocol rate models are still catching up to to what we've seen so far this season. So we are quite heavy on Wolves, um, probably a little bit too heavy in my opinion. We're giving them a 58% chance of winning this. I'd probably make them um, at even money, maybe slight odds on, uh, given the obviously absences and, and what we've seen so far from both of these teams. Uh, but that would still represent value. So I'm going to put Wolves to win. I think that this is um, a decent game for them to come back to uh, off that defeat. They had a really easy time against Villa last season. They won both matches, um, although the scorelines were tight. Were, both were quite comfortable in the way that they handled the game. Um, and I do think Villa have shown a little bit of uh, a few vulnerabilities in the last four or five matches that, that can be exploited. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, the, those two meetings last season came when Wolves were playing in a more defensive manner. Villa were obviously chasing just to get points to stay up this time around. They're both sat in mid-table. They've both got aspirations of potentially crashing that top six so I'm expecting a much more open game and goals also makes a little bit of um, a value play as well I think the over two and a half at the moment is odds against that's surprising given what we saw from Wolves the last couple of weeks um, and obviously what we've seen from Villa so far so a tentative over two and a half bet is put forward as well and is there in terms of a potential replacement or someone to come in to fill that void left by Jimenez is there is there a profile of player that you think Wolves could potentially go after I mean Giroud is obviously a bit of a talking point at the moment. Does he fit the bill? Or... <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say Giroud, yeah. Um, yeah, he'd, he'd be ideal, but at the moment, the way he's playing, he's probably going to be Chelsea's number nine moving forward. Um, I think Chelsea, obviously Tammy would also fit that um, that mould. Tammy Abraham would also be a, a decent acquisition. Um, maybe looking further down, Ivan Tony at Brentford started really well. He's... Um, He's a little bit smaller than than Jimenez, but he's got the very similar attributes. He's a um, you know poacher, finisher, with a very good touch to bring people into play. Um, but Wolves are they're a very smart club. They're, they've got probably players lined up. There's actually a player um, at Benfica. Um, I think his name's Darwin Darwin Machis. I think who's uh, who's just just been brought in from Almeria, who probably will end up at Wolves at some point, given their um, their Portuguese. Uh, Connections. I was going to say, there's got to be some Portuguese connections. Yeah, um, he's he's a, a really 
Yeah, uh, sorry, Darwin Nunez, that's his name. He's He started the season really well for Benfica. Um, he's, I think he had a really, really impressive season in, in the second division in Spain last season. And, and I think that he's he's a young player that would definitely be in that mould um, if he's got the same agent, that is, to come, come for Wolves. All right, then, well, let's, let's move on to Newcastle versus West Brom. And we joked last week that, that West Brom's game against Crystal Palace probably wouldn't be too entertaining. But as you said, it was definitely more entertaining than the, the North London derby and a lot of other games going on uh, last weekend. The early red card obviously changed the game and the the 5-1 scoreline still flattered Palace. But it, it was another one where West Brom just didn't look like a team that are capable of staying in the Premier League. I'm not going to go over how poor their stats have been this season because I do it pretty much every week. But I don't think there's many out there who think they're they're going to be able to turn things around based on what we've seen so far. Anyway, there's there's certainly some big improvements that are going to be needed. Um, as for Newcastle, it's kind of a bit of an unknown with them. The, the The COVID outbreak at the training ground meant that the Villa game was called off. I think as as recently as yesterday, there was news going around that the training ground is still closed. Um, so I'm really not sure how likely this game is actually to go ahead. Newcastle, they haven't been great this season. A little bit lucky with some results. I think the there's that draw at Tottenham where they got a last minute penalty and the, the win against Everton kind of stand out in my mind where they got two really late goals there as well that they, they arguably didn't really deserve. But they're also a little bit fortunate in that some of the teams below them has been as as, as bad as they have been. Otherwise, the the gap down to those bottom th- bottom three probably wouldn't be as big as it is. Um, I feel like this might be one to wait until you know what's going on or or how Newcastle will line up. I don't know how many players are, are actually have fallen ill or, or are going to have to isolate for longer. Um, but odds are available as it stands. Newcastle are the favourites at two point two four. Um, so they have a 44% chance of getting a win. West Brom are 3.49, which is 28%. Um, and the draw has the remaining 28% as well at, at 3.44. So very close in, in that regard. The total is a low one, 2 and 2.5. It's bang on 50-50 split at the moment. It feels like it's similar to the Palace game last week. Maybe if we say this one's going to be boring as well, we, we could get goals again. What do you think, Jake? <laughs> yeah, that might be the way forward. Just uh, just say all the matches are going to be rubbish and we might get some good ones. But yeah, I, I think this is, like you said, we've got to be very careful because we don't know whether this game's actually going to go ahead. Um, we're still waiting for news on that. But as it stands, it is. I think it's going to be interesting. I know, I know you obviously, you also do an NFL pod and, and, and over in America, there's quite a few matches in the NFL that have actually been postponed. This is the first time we're actually having um, a postponement due to a COVID outbreak. Um, and it'd be interesting just to see how it affects Newcastle. I mean, there's been quite a few stories in recent days, notably Paul Pogba, who's come out and said that he really struggled after he had COVID. He was really struggling to um, to maintain his normal pace. He didn't feel like himself on the pitch. Um, I think that opening game against Crystal Palace, he said he, he just felt like he was a almost a League Two player. I'm not quoting him directly, by the way, but um, he just basically, he, he said he was struggling that much that um, he, he effectively couldn't run. Um, I mean, it's strange for Manchester United to throw him in there, even though he, he'd already said that those issues um, uh, in training. But um, I think they hooked him after 60 minutes. So it'd be interesting to see if, if it has any sort of effects on Newcastle players that have got it, because if it does then, and this game does go ahead and, and you know, obviously deliver not negative tests and Newcastle players perhaps um, 
you know, aren't feeling at the best, then this could be a really good game for West Brom um, coming out of what was a really disappointing defeat to Crystal Palace. But oh, these are all obviously ifs and buts. We, we can't speculate. And um, so this is just speculation as to what could happen. Um, but it's worth bearing in mind, given uh, the state of, of what we've seen in, in recent weeks with, with obviously players that have had the, the virus and what we've seen in other countries as well. Um I don't know if Newcastle will be will be happy because happy due to that break, uh, because of obviously the, the the whole not being able to train at the training ground, but they obviously came off a decent win themselves against Crystal Palace uh, last time out. It was a deserved win. They left it late. I think they scored twice in the last three minutes to um, to grab the three points. And overall, it's not been a bad start to the season for Newcastle. I think they've won four, drawn two, lost four. The process is marginally improved on last season. They're averaging 1.14 expected goals four per game, which is about the same as last season. But defensively, they've improved by about 0.2 of, a, of an expected goal per game. Uh, it's down to 1.5. So they are, I mean, it's marginal gains, but they are trending in a slightly positive direction, which is good news. Um, and they face West Brom, if this game goes ahead, um, that obviously are appear to be um, the whipping boys of this Premier League season. I know they, they beat Sheffield United. We've spoke about that last week, that they were very fortunate to do so. Uh, their goal lived uh, a really charmed life on that occasion. Didn't so much at the weekend against Crystal Palace, who were, um, really did smell blood when they went when West Brom were reduced to 10 men. And, and they went all out and did their goal difference the world of good. Um, five goals from 1.8 expected goals. But again, I keep banging this drum. West Brom really are the worst team in the Premier League. They're the worst attacking team. 8.1 expected goals created from 11 matches, which is still on pace to be the worst in Premier League history um, for the data that Infogol's got. That's at 0.74 expected goals per game. And defensively, they're at 2.13 expected goals against per game. They've conceded 23.4 expected goals in 11 matches. Only uh, a couple more than Leeds, as we've already mentioned, they're struggling uh, defensively. But the main issue I have with them is looking at these non-penalty big chances again. Uh, no team has created fewer non-penalty big chances than West Brom. They've managed just four in 11 matches. Uh, and no team has, created, uh, has conceded more than West Brom. They've conceded 20 in 11 matches. So um, not, they're not only conceding uh, a lot of chances, but they're conceding um, a lot of good ones as well, which is not a very good recipe if you want to stay up in this league. So... Um, given all of that, I do think that Newcastle's price is fair. Obviously, we, we are still waiting to, to hear on, uh, you know, how the players are, whether they're all feeling, you know, their very best, um, whether there are any players that still maybe deliver positive tests. So there might be quite a few changes made to the Newcastle team. But either way, I'm, I'm going to be signing with a low-scoring game again. I think that's where the value is going to be. Uh, I think last last week was a little bit of an aberration. Um, 5-1 against a mid-table team like Crystal Palace is very rare, I think, for this West Brom team. I think most of their games are going to be really low scoring, 1-1, 1-0, 2-0. I'm expecting something similar. We're given a 65% chance of the under 2.5 coming in. I think the market's around a 58%. So there's a, there's a decent chunk of value there. And I think, especially if Newcastle end up having to make quite a few changes to the starting eleven, I think a more cautious approach could be taken by, uh, by Steve Bruce, given the, um, not magnitude of the game, but it's a really sort of a big game for them. If they win this, they put themselves effectively, what are they now? They're eight, eight points clear. They put themselves 11 points clear of West Brom. Um, and given that Burnley have got a pretty tough game at Arsenal, potentially put themselves 11 points clear of a relegation mm -hmm. relegation zone. So it's a pretty big game for Newcastle if this one goes ahead, but I would side with an un uh, under two and a half. We'll move on to a game that, that might have 
might not have too many people watching it to one that that certainly will in the the Manchester derby Manchester United against Manchester City as we've said pinnacles highlight fixture um we have already talked about Manchester United's win at win at West Ham they haven't actually played in their their crucial Champions League tie at Leipzig at the time of recording either so I mean the West Ham one Leipzig and then this game on Saturday it could be a, a really big week for them things they did look I, th- I think we had a bit of a discussion around this. They looked bad for them early on. It was very early on in the season, though, only a few games in. They've quickly recovered, and if they win their game in hand, they'd actually be level on points with Chelsea in third, just two points off top spot. So I think some some kind of perspective there for, for people that were calling for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's head. It's it's quite interesting to see the comparison to Chelsea and the, the plaudits that Lampard's getting at the moment and the, the two sides have, have effectively been playing very similar football. Um, it's also a similar story with City as well. Some early season struggles. They seem to have, have got going now. They're just one point and one place behind Manchester United in the table. They've also got a game in hand over the rest as well. One thing for them is that they definitely do look better defensively this season. We talked about their their lack of sort of attacking output early on. Um, although the recent 5-0 and 2-0 results seem to have uh, have kind of addressed that. Those games were also against Burnley and Fulham, so we'll have to wait and see how they do against a, a much better defence in Manchester United. I don't think many people can argue that, that City have been the better of the two teams over the last few seasons. They've looked better than, than Manchester United this season based on their underlying process as well, but it's definitely going to be an interesting game, especially when you look at the odds, because Manchester United at home, a 4.37. So just a 22% chance of them getting three points, according to the odds. Manchester City odds on at 1.813, and that gives them a 54% chance. Um, betters seem to be torn on the goals market here. There was some early action for, for over 2.5. The under is rated at just 44% chance, but it has seen some interest of late. What are your thoughts on this one, Jake? Pinnacle's highlight fixture, so we're going to need a, a firm prediction from you as well. Where are you going? Oh, um, I'm not 100% decided just yet. I think the, the obviously the, the Infocom model thinks that there's uh, that Manchester City are way too short at the current prices. We're rating Man United um, a lot higher than what the market is. So Man United or the draw is, is a is a value bet and it's something that I, I definitely, I think I will put forward actually. Um, they've got a really good record recently against Manchester City or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has against Pep Guardiola. They played each other four times last season and Man United won three of them, which is um, <clears throat> a really impressive feat. They obviously went to the Etihad in the league, won that game 2-1 and, and the game against Manchester City at home wasn't just a, um, a, a an impressive 2-0 win. It was a d- deserved 2-0 win, which is um, very rare for uh, for a team to actually beat Manchester City and deserve to beat them as well based on the expected goal totals. So um, they've got a really good record against them. They've obviously got a system, a way of playing against Manchester City that that works, that gets the best out of their players because the, ultimately Manchester United are a fantastic counter-attacking team and Manchester City, the way that they set up, they they basically, the only their opponents, the only thing they can do is counter-attack. So uh, it does suit them. But as you mentioned, the um, you know the defensive improvements that Manchester City have made have been really impressive, and I think one of the tweaks that they've made is just making sure they've got a bit, a bit more, um, a bit more safety in there, a bit more help for the dealing with that counter attack, um, as opposed to potentially leaving themselves two on two, for example. They've maybe just got an extra body in there um, with a, the four two three one system that that appears to be being used. Uh, double pivot of whether that's Rodri, Fernandinho, or Gundogan. 
Um, I think that that is what will probably happen in this game, just for that little bit of security. Um, Manchester United, obviously, big week for them. They, I think that's the only other positive for Manchester City really going in for this game and perhaps why they are so sure because Manchester United have a game in Leipzig that they have to go and get something from. Uh, Manchester City are already qualified, top of the group in their Champions League game, so they can rest everyone for this game, really. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a fascinating game to look at uh, and analyse. Manchester United obviously haven't been um, as impressive as Manchester City this season. Our expected goals table shows that. We have Man United 12th in their XG table, Man City 3rd even though both have obviously played a game fewer. So if Manchester City win their game in hand quite comfortably based on expected goals, they might even jump up above Liverpool um, and Chelsea in our XG table to top. So, yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting to analyse. I do think the game tends to play into Manchester United's hands, though, given, as I've said, the, the they can play on the counter-attack. And, and they have the players to do that with the likes of Rashford, who was obviously a game-changer last week against West Ham. Fernandez as well, who's who's so incisive with his passes uh, forward, and uh, the likes of Greenwood. Whether Martial's fit for this yet, I'm not too sure. I think he's missing the, the midweek game, and same as Cavani's missing the midweek game. So maybe they're being rested for this. So yeah, there's a lot of different angles to look at, and the only concern I have for Manchester United really is, as you, you mentioned there, that they've been really solid defensively since that October international break. They've um, not only domestically, but um, on the European scene as well. Since that six-one defeat. Um, to Tottenham, uh, only Arsenal have generated more than one XG um, against Manchester United prior to that West Ham game, and that obviously that Arsenal game was um, included the penalty. So take that penalty away, and it was 0.27x non-penalty expected goals in that game. So prior to that West Ham match, Manchester United had looked like a really solid defensive force, but I don't know what happened to them at the weekend, and uh, it was similar to what happened in midweek actually against PSG because that was another game in which they were just torn to shreds. In that, um, I think PSG racked up three point one six expected goals in that game. Uh, West Ham racked up two point six seven. So you're looking at a combined total of around four five point eight conceded in two matches, which is about the same, probably more than what they conceded in the previous six Premier League games. Wonder if that's maybe just a, a slight worry going into this that Manchester City might look at how West Ham played how PSG played probably more the PSG um, and just see a few pointers there of how to exploit this Manchester United team but um, I think Manchester United are well built to get a result here and Manchester City as we've spoken about week in week out they've not been um, at, they've not reached the dizzy heights in attack so far this season obviously the, the games against Fulham and Burnley were much needed in boosting the confidence of the attacking players I think the Fulham performance in particular is more of what we expect to see. 3.3 expected goals created, only two goals scored, which is a bit of an issue. But they're getting in the cha- uh, in the areas to, to score goals and they're creating the chances, which is the most important thing. Because prior to that, they had um, they had really struggled. And overall this season, they're averaging 1.79 expected goals for per game, which is still about 0.9 expected goals down on last season. Um, per game. So there's improvements to be made for Manchester City in attack. I do think they'll be a little bit more reserved. They'll be wary of what happened um, at Tottenham in their recent other big six match uh, where they they dominated the game. They created loads of chances, but were just hit on the counter-attack in in lethal fashion. And and they'll know that Manchester United are more than capable of doing something similar. So um, I I think it's going to be a a more cautious approach for Manchester City because of out of respect for Manchester United. Um, and I think if you said to United that they would get a draw against Leipzig and a draw against Man City, I'm pretty sure Oli would snap your hand off. Um, so I, I think a draw, if they if they manage to get a draw in this game, or if it's nil nil or one one heading into the final 15 minutes, I think both teams will probably be happy with that. 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that the Infocom model's got this spot on in terms of the, the probabilities. Manchester City, we have a 40% chance of winning this game compared to around a 54, 55% chance on the market. This is huge value, effectively, what the model's saying inside in with Manchester United. I probably would make Manchester City at least 45, 46%, given the uh, the fact that they do get to rest and rotate in midweek. Uh, but that would still offer value on, on United or the draw. And I think that's where I'm going to go. Um, take the pinnacle uh, market head on. Obviously, you're going for the Man City win. I'm going to take Man United or the draw. Um, and we'll see who comes out on top. Well, that's it, Jake. I think these these elite teams, PSG, West Ham, Man City, <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that I can cause that. United problems. No, joking aside, it is, yeah. For us, it's it's Manchester City in terms of Pinnacle's prediction and chinks in the armour maybe for Manchester United. I think City, it, it's an interesting one. I'd like to get your opinion on this. Are we beginning to see it? It felt like before, like no one's doubting Pep Guardiola's credentials. I'm not going to say one-dimensional, but it just felt that City was so strong uh, at dominating possession, opening teams up and creating chances. It's almost like they didn't even need to consider kind of like a plan B. Whereas now I feel like we're beginning to see almost when they play those upper bracket teams, they do play a little bit more reserved and and kind of the the defensive process is now there to lean on. And then they can go out and and blow out teams like Fulham, uh, Burnley and whatever it might be and play that, that way that people love to see them play. Do you think that's, are we beginning to see that from them, sort of a, a different style in terms of the teams that they're playing? Or is that just sort of recent fixture bias? Yeah, I think that's probably more recent fixture bias. I think what Guardiola is trying to do is just make his his team a little bit more solid in transition because that's where they've had the main issues in recent years. Uh, well, recent years, last season in particular, because obviously the season before that they racked up about ninety eight points. Um, but yeah, last season was the main issue for them was in that transition period and and not being as solid defensively when you get counterattacked on um, as perhaps you would like. And I do think there's a, there's been a small shift. Um, in making them a little bit more secure. And I think that's obviously affected their attacking numbers. But um, I do think, as I, as I said, maybe three or four weeks ago, regarding both of these two teams, actually, that, that they're the late finish of the season because of the European competitions and the shorter pre-season, as well as being thrown straight in um, with the Premier League, obviously the, the League Cup as well, and playing two games a week, pretty much. I do think that that has an effect on, on both of these two teams and the, the processes that they are putting up, I do think that the results are the most important things for these two teams at the moment and and the improvements in the process can come further down the line when there's a bit more work or there's a bit more time to work on things on the training ground because at the minute it's play a match, um, rest, prepare for the next match, play a match. There's no time to actually work on anything tactically um, because of the you know the, the demands of, of playing two games a week pretty much. So I'm, I'm, I've given both of these two teams and Wolves a bit of a pass at the start of this season just because I do think it's taken them or will take them a little bit longer to find their feet um, and hit their stride than the likes of Liverpool and Spurs who've had a full pre-season as per usual pretty much apart from the pre-season matches. They've basically, they've been able to go away um, and just work on things and get get people up to speed, get integrate new players. I mean, Manchester United and Manchester City haven't had that opportunity. Um, I think they, they probably had two or three weeks, maybe even a month less to actually prepare for this season than those teams. So um, I do think they're playing a bit of catch-up. The fact that they're both within touching distance of the top of the table, I think, is is um, is testament to the players' resolve that they've got there. 
um, and the managers and obviously the squads help. They've got such big squads that they can rotate players uh, and, and you know, not see too much of a drop-off. But I do expect those two teams to be in the top four come the end of the season. And, and the Infocom model does currently have them forecast to be in the top four, the pair of them. Um, so I do think they'll improve as it goes on. And yeah, Man City, it, it, if Guardiola was trying to change tactic drastically, he's picked the wrong season to do it, given the limited time um, that he's had to work with his players. But I do think there's been a slight shift in just making them a little bit more defensively um, secure. All right, well, on we go to Everton versus Chelsea and you made a, a bold call last week that Everton's drop in performance and, and results would continue against a, a Burnley side that was underestimated by the market. That's exactly what happened. Everton, I think they had the better of the game, but Burnley did what they do and, and held out for a 1-1 draw. It means that, that Everton now have won just once in their last seven games. Um, if they don't get a result here, they could drop into the bottom half and it's it's quite interesting to look back at, at them being considered Champions League contenders at the start of the season, the price move on them to win the title and how ridiculous that all seems now in, in hindsight. Um, one team that will be Champions League contenders, though, are, are Chelsea. A bit of an early wobble um, against Leeds. But as I said earlier, they did dominate that game in the end, a thoroughly deserved win, another decent defensive performance, an attack that, that looks like it's starting to click. They're, they're the second best team in the league, according to expected goals. Um, they seem to be putting their chances away this season, which was actually something that they struggled with last year. Um, they're producing chances worth 1.94 expected goals per game this season, outperforming that slightly in terms of their actual goals. Um, it's the, the second best attacking process with the, the best defensive process as they're, they're actually the only team running under one expected goal per game against at 0.93. Um, so really, at both ends of the pitch, they they look decent and certainly not one that, that Everton might do the, the drop away that we saw from them. I think Chelsea are in it for the long haul. Maybe not quite title contenders, but I certainly think fourth, third is, is w- within reaching distance for them again this season. Um, they are, however, pretty heavy favourites on the road here. Odds of 1.819 give them a 54% chance of getting the win. Everton are a 4.24, which is a 23% chance. And the draw is available at 4.18, which is, I mean, it's pretty much the same mark, 23, 24%. Do you think Everton struggles are, are going to continue here? Are, are Chelsea the value play, play at a short price or, or is there something else of interest in the market? Um, struggling to find a, um, a value bet that I'd like the look of in this one. Uh, I do think this is going to be a really tricky game for Everton the way in which they've played defensively in recent weeks or since that start to the season in which they racked up four straight wins has been really concerning. And like you said, this Chelsea team seems to be cooking at the moment. They've uh, they've found the groove. The players have, uh, have started to click. Um, and I think Lampard's found a system that he likes with uh, a few tweaks in there that perhaps we didn't see coming. The likes of, um, you know, obviously Kante playing in his, more, in his deeper role. I think everyone thought that that would be um, beneficial to Chelsea as a team. Even last season, the season before, under Maurizio Sarri, he's now thriving once again. Mason Mount is playing a little bit deeper as well. And I think that that's getting the best out of him because he's uh, he's turned into a very clever player. Uh, And that allows them to play pretty much um, a front four uh, of Ziyech, Giroud, Werner, Havertz, whoever Lampard wants to pick from, really. He's got options on the bench. Pat Pulisic and Abraham were on the bench um, at the weekend, he's got Hudson Odoi as well, so it is all looking very good for Chelsea. Um, and they are, to me, they're definitely the closest challengers for for, for the title. 
um, to Liverpool and Manchester City. I think that they are of that level and, and the squad is deep enough to be able to withstand a, a title push. They've been so impressive um, in the last, well, probably five or six matches. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. The, the the nil-nil draw at Tottenham looks more impressive as well. Uh, against Tottenham, sorry, looks more impressive as well now, given what we've seen Tottenham do to Man City and Arsenal. Um, the way in which Lampard was just happy to, not happy to take a nil-nil draw, but he was... He was the point was uh, obviously is a better result than a defeat, and he knew that if he did overextend, then Tottenham would be able to hurt them. And uh, I think that shows his development as a manager more than anything, and, and a willingness to just sort of um, accept that Tottenham could hurt him on the counter attack, but also just just take the point and uh, and maybe frustrate Jose Mourinho a little bit. Um, that's look that draw looks more impressive as the weeks go by, to be honest, and. Either side of that, obviously, they've had some really good results in, in Europe. They went to Sevilla and absolutely hammered them. They very rarely concede more than one goal, Sevilla. So to score four times was really impressive. And in the Premier League, they've been pretty much untouchable um, other than that Tottenham draw. So it is worrying signs for Everton, um, who obviously have to face this Chelsea team and an Everton team that have looked extremely vulnerable defensively. I know aside that Burnley result um, performance aside, where they conceded 0.9 expected goals. But um, prior to that, 3.38 against Leeds, 1.9 against Fulham, 1.8 against Man United, 2.78 against Newcastle. So they are uh, they're struggling at the back. They're still missing some key players defensively. Uh, Lucas Digne, who I mentioned last week, is, is, a, is a big miss for them defensively and in attack. Um, Ancelotti's still persisting with a back three, three system. Um, playing Iwobi as a, back, as a right wing back and I think it was Delph who played their left wing back last week so yeah it is. I think this period with the few injuries that they picked up is highlighting what we said at the start of the season that Everton's squad depth would let them down and ultimately that's exactly what's happened um, I, I do fancy Chelsea to pick them apart really and, and make another statement if Manchester United could go there and win 3-1 I, I think Chelsea could do something very similar Um I, I, yeah, I think everyone just got over over excited about Everton, didn't they? And similar to the Aston Villa, actually, who were were also backed in uh, to win the Premier League title, which we both laughed at on the podcast. But yeah, the the process of Everton has really deteriorated. One point six eight expected goals for, one point six five against um, per game now, which is uh, which is very much mid, middle mid table, and and that's that's where we're forecasting them to finish after what was such a, a promising start to the season. Uh, Chelsea will, for me, control this game quite comfortably and, and get the win. But I do think Everton will score. I think they've got enough about them to get on the score sheet. So I'd be looking at um, both teams to score. It's a short price. There isn't too much value in it, but um, it's it's a bet I do like the look of, uh, like I said, at a short price. And I mean, it, combining that with over two and a half as well, I think would be a, a sensible play. It might bring that up to around uh, 1.9 or even money. Something I can see happening in this game, and um, you know, if you're wanting a bigger price, Chelsea to win and both teams to score. I can't put anyone off that. Right, and now we've got Southampton versus Sheffield United. I think if if ever a team in the league had banked up some luck to use this season, it's got to be Southampton. They they, they <laughs> finished. Correct me if I, I think they finished in the bottom half at least the last sort of three or four seasons. Yeah, they did. Yeah, probably been worthy of a top half spot or, or thereabouts in each of those. It has to be said, Ralph Hussein-Artel has, has come in. He's certainly made a difference. This season, though, it's a little bit strange because the process isn't actually that great at the moment. 
but they're managing to get results, which is not completely the opposite of what we normally see from them. Um, we had a brief chat uh, offline before we started recording. I don't know what that penalty was about against Brighton. <sighs> Another stupid VAR decision, if you ask me, but it obviously made the difference. The Saints got a win that, that they didn't really deserve, and they're still up, up there towards sort of um, fourth, fifth in the table. As for Sheffield United, they had a great season back in the Premier League last year. They they won over a lot of neutrals, I think. However, they've really struggled this this time around. Early on, it looked like there was there was some sort of semblance of a process there that could be good enough for them. But it feels like now that their their results have, have fallen in line with their performances, or or vice versa. Still winless after eleven games, five points adrift of anyone else, six points from safety. They're going to be battling it out with the the other three or four teams around the bottom of the table for the rest of the season, aren't they? I think that's the best they can hope for. Um, it's, there's no surprise to see the market favour Southampton for this, especially with with Danny Ings back now and, and likely to start. They've got 57% win probability with odds of 1.719. Sheffield United have a 19% chance of getting their first win of the season at 5.08 and the draw is 4.07, which equates to a, a 24% chance. Um Betters do like the look of the under 2.5 in this one. Are you looking towards the goals market, Jake, or, or is there more value on offering the 1x2, do you think? Um, yeah, I think the, the the value in this is to oppose Southampton, given what we've seen so far. And, and the Infocom model thinks that's the, the best way to go in this match. Uh, we're making Southampton a 45% home favourites, um, which I think you said 57% on the market there is obviously shows that they're they're too short based on what we what we think and um and therefore taking Sheffield United on the double chance or or with a plus 0.5 head start on the Asian handicap is is the value bet and um yeah I don't think that that's I, I'm I've not given up on them just yet Sheffield United although I am a Sheffield Wednesday fan and I would like to see them uh, obviously relegated and join us in the championship I don't think that I, I do think that they've been written off quite early I know that this is the worst Premier League start um in history one point from 11 matches. But from what I've seen from them, uh, I do think that they've shown enough to be able to get results um, at these types of places and uh, and refine that form that we saw last season. Obviously, saw them finish top uh, in the top half. Um, yeah, they, they're in a difficult spot because a draw really doesn't help them too much um, in this game. We'll just obviously move them just to two points. But, um, you know, it's just get that ball rolling, stop this run of defeats that they're currently on. Uh, they've had some tough fixtures in the last six matches in particular that, that hasn't helped things. Liverpool, City, Chelsea, um, you know, West Ham are a team that sit in you know, the top half our XG table and obviously Leicester. So uh, five of the last six have been pretty tough matches. West Brom obviously in there was a game in which they deserved to win based on expected goals. So this is their first game against a team that... Um, well, in that run that's outside of Infocol's top um, top 10, we've got Southampton 15th in our XG table. So definitely overperforming based on uh, on performances. And yeah, this, I think this is a good spot for United to, to potentially get something from this game. Um, Process-wise, Southampton haven't been great, as you mentioned. 1.14 expected goals for per game. So that puts them level with Newcastle in terms of attacking process. Uh, 1.42 expected goals against per game. So... They're running a negative process, and that is a, a big concern, really. Um, you know, over, over the course of last season, we spoke about them glowingly, the fact that they were in a relegation battle, but they were performing like a top eight team. And this time around, it's flipped around. They're, they're 
performing like a team that we expect to be in a relegation battle or in and around that 13th, 14th area. Um, but they're sat in the, you know, the top five at the moment. Um, Sheffield United, obviously, they've seen a massive downturn in process. The 1.2 expected goals for per game is round about what we saw from them last season. Um, but defensively, they have got worse. I think they're missing players through injury, big players like Jack O'Connell, who's um, obviously not played. They're missing um, a couple of their, their wing-backs as well. Ender Stevens, is, who's a, the left wing-back, hasn't been fit. I think Max Lowe might have got injured as well last weekend, which um, is another huge blow for them. Um, or maybe that was tactical. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, but he came off at half-time. He's, uh, yeah, that basically means that they're, they're light on the ground in those sorts of areas. And um, also, Wilder had to introduce Keen Bryan, who um, I don't think he's played too much for Sheffield United since uh, being at the club. So, yeah, they, they've, they've had in issues injury-wise, which has obviously um, played into the issues that they've had um, in terms of the results. But I think that they could go here and get a point. The only issue you've got is that Southampton now have a, a pretty much a fully fit team. Danny Ings scored again on Monday night, thanks to that very dubious penalty that was awarded. That was actually the 47th Premier League penalty um, that's been awarded in 11 game weeks, which is frightening, really, to think that last season there were 92 awarded in total and we're pretty much, well, um, yeah, we're over halfway through that to, to that total and we're only 11 game weeks into the season. So, uh, you know, we could talk all day about the, the VAR and, and awarding penalties because if you think about it, the, the one on Monday night that Southampton got, if it was given as a free kick, a cross comes in, what's the maximum percentage chance of a goal going in? You're looking at maybe 10, 15% if it's a header. Um, and, you know, just by one person looking at a monitor and saying that's a penalty, he's increasing that percentage chance of a goal from 15 to 80, which is, um, you know, a huge amount. And uh, it really is starting to affect games and the outcome of games um, a lot more than what we've seen in recent years so um, yeah it, it is an issue moving forward um, and I'm pretty sure that anyone who's had a bet on uh, a week a weekly bet on a penalty to be awarded in a match is, is laughing at the moment in terms of uh, the profit that they'll be making but yeah this, this is a difficult spot uh, that they find themselves in Sheffield United but I do think that they, they are capable of getting something from this game to to kickstart this season and, and just bring the confidence up a little bit because Southampton are, um, you know, they're, they're not really performing to a higher level. They've struggled in attack um, pretty much all season long, apart from that that Tottenham um, game in which they racked up 2.2 expected, uh, sorry, 2.5 expected goals. They've really struggled to create um, many good chances. I, I think the only other game in which they broke one expect uh, one expected goal other than the uh, Monday night game, which obviously was helped by a penalty, was against Chelsea when they racked up one point eight expected goals. So, um, yeah, eleven matches, uh, only twice they've they've break it, broken um, one expected goal if you discount penalties. So they are struggling to create from open play, and I do think that that will catch up with them eventually, and maybe lends itself to a low scoring game here uh, with Sheffield United getting a point. Right, well, then we've got Crystal Palace versus Tottenham coming up next. And it's it's another one where the market is is pretty one-sided. And it's Tottenham on the road here after that that comfortable 2-0 win in the North London derby. Um, they're priced at 1.775, which is a 55% win probability. Palace, despite coming into the fixture off the back of a, a 5-0-1, 5-1 win, which which we've already said is was quite deceiving, um, they do get just a, a 20% chance of getting the win at 4.95. It's it's easy to see why it's priced up the way it is when you dig into the data for both of these teams. 
Palace are running at 1.25 expected goals um, per game. Expected goals four per game, I should say, uh, which isn't too bad, but they're also giving up 1.59 expected goals against per game. And a negative XG process is, is never going to be a, a good sign in the Premier League or, or any league for that matter. Um, Spurs, on the other hand, they're they're around the top four in terms of both XG for and against. Um, they're on 1.68 for per game, um, and 1.22 against. There's obviously a clear disparity between these two teams, but the question really is, is is it big enough that the, the market is taking account for it? Is it overestimating it, underestimating it? What does the, the Infogol model say for this, Jake? Uh, yeah, we, we, we're actually looking at opposing Tottenham in this game. And I, I find that very interesting, given the way that Tottenham have been playing so far this season and uh, obviously what we've seen from Crystal Palace. But, you know, I, the more I think about it, the more I, I actually like the idea of, of taking Tottenham on in this game in particular. Um, you know, there's a couple of reasons why. Obviously, the first one being the, you, you know, the fact that Tottenham are playing in the Europa League on Thursday. They have a, a really tricky game. Um, I think they're playing against... Royal Antwerp at home, which is basically a winner-takes-all for the group, which is huge in the Europa League. If you win the group, you're guaranteed to avoid a you know a team that drops into the Champions uh, from the Champions League into that competition, which this season could be anyone from the likes of Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Inter Milan, etc. So uh, winning the group is uh, is a really important deal for for Mourinho, who will have his sights set on this competition, which means that he's probably going to play a, a fairly strong team against uh, Antwerp on on Thursday night, and that could be. Um, you know, could massively affect them um, in this match. I think Hyunmin Son actually played in the last match in, in Austria away at LASK Linsk. I think he came on as a sub. So he's already playing some of his big teams, uh, uh, sorry, his big players against these Euro- Europa League teams. And surely that's going to catch up with them eventually in terms of fitness. And the other reason is because, you know, we've seen in the last three Premier League matches against Man City, Chelsea and Arsenal that Spurs are, you know, a fantastic counter-attacking team. We we knew that heading into the season anyway. But against this Crystal Palace team, they're not going to be able to do that. Crystal Palace aren't going to dominate the football like those teams did and, and were expected to. Crystal Palace are a team that also likes to play on the counter-attack. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Tottenham do approach this game, whether they um, you know whether they, they try and lull Palace into a false sense of security before springing on them or whether they take the game to Crystal Palace and potentially leave themselves exposed. So there's a lot to think about for Jose Mourinho. I think Crystal Palace looked, I know it's only West Brom, but they looked really good in, in the lineup that they actually operated in, which incorporated quite a few attacking players. Um, Eze obviously got a start. Zahar scored a couple of goals. Benteke looked um, an absolute handful. He bagged a couple of goals. And Jeffrey Schlupp as well looked really good with, um, you know, he's got a good relationship with the overlapping Van Arnold. So they, they looked a real threat, the Crystal Palace, in that game. And if they operate that same team and system, I, I do think they can get on the score sheet and, Maybe um, you know get a result here against Tottenham, and as I've said, the the, the fact that Tottenham play in midweek in a, in a game that they have to win also plays into Crystal Palace's hands and and potentially their their chances of getting something. I think this game finished one one um, last season post break. I think they limited Spurs to just zero point three expected goals on that occasion. Not the same team, obviously, that this Tottenham team now, but um, just a sort of gauge of, of of what to kind of expect from them, which is. Palace to sit back, soak the pressure, see if Tottenham can break them down, um, and and Palace trying to spring on the counter attack. So, yeah, and, uh, another big team that that we're taking on this this weekend. Um, yeah, Palace or the draw is a is a, a huge value bet according to the Infocom model. It's around even money. Um, so, 
yeah, that, I think that's the way I'd go with this one. In terms of the goal goal lines, we're, we're very similar to what the market's offering um, in terms of both teams score and over two and a half. So, yeah, just just trying to get Crystal Palace on side is, is what I would look at doing, whether that be plus 0.5 or whether you go um, a goal more and, and, and take a shorter price at plus 1.5. And is that one that I'm guessing then if, if you look at the, the fixture on Thursday and they, they play the likes of Son or, or Harry Kane or whoever it might be, you're, you're then even more interested in Palace? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I think given the, the, the schedule that they've had and, and the fact that you know you also have to factor in that they've played Man City, Chelsea and Arsenal and they haven't seen any of the ball. So all they've been doing is running. They've not, they've not had a chance to take a breather within those matches uh, because they haven't dominated the football. They've just been chasing for, for the majority of of those games and shifting left and right. And, um, you know, that ultimately makes you more tired when you're chasing the ball as opposed to keeping the ball. So factored that in with the, obviously playing in midweek against um, a decent team that actually beat them in, in the reverse game, um, needing to get the victory and then playing again on Sunday. Um, I think it could be a, a really dangerous team, this Crystal Palace uh, team for Tottenham to face at this moment. All right, then well, on we go to, to Fulham versus Liverpool. It was a, a, a tough fixture for Fulham away at Manchester City and I think they'll, they'll probably take the 2-0 loss, uh, especially, as we've said, when you look at the chances that City created, over three expected goals, I think you said earlier. Could have been four or five, judging by what we saw. Um, obviously, now it doesn't get much easier for them either because they host the champions in Liverpool. Liverpool, are, they're actually second in the table, but they are the best team in the league according to their process. 2.25 expected goals for per game is is the best attacking output by quite some way at the moment. And although their the defensive numbers are down towards mid table actually, but it's it's pretty close with the teams above them. And and a fair chunk of those expected goals did come against that or came in that loss against uh, Aston Villa. I, it feels like Fulham are, are they're going to be in around the bottom three again, similar to Sheffield United. There's three or four of them down there that are probably going to be there for most of the season. They have got a little bit better in recent weeks and I don't think they're going to be worried too much against games like this or the one last week. Obviously, any kind of result would, would be a massive bonus for them. But when you're, you're in that position in the table, you really need to make sure that you, you get something out of the games against the teams that are in and around them. And after a good win against Leicester, they're, they're going to want to build on that when they, they get more winnable, winnable fixtures coming up, I think. Um, the odds, though, are as, as one-sided as, as people probably expect. 11% win probability for Fulham, 73% for Liverpool and, and 16% chance for draw. That's odds of, of 9.04 for Fulham, 1.332 for, for Liverpool and 6.08 on the draw. Um, the market does also like the look of goals in this one over 3 and 3.5. We've just seen what, what Liverpool did to to Wolves and although they, they outscored the, the chances that they created and compare that with or consider that with the fact that, that Fulham gave up plenty against Manchester City as well. It's it's easy to see why. Um, are the odds for this in line with the InfoGoal model, Jake? Is there is there value on offer? Um, the main value for this game comes in the both teams score market and opposing the both teams to score. Uh, yeah, the 1x2 is pretty much priced up as we would expect. Liverpool just looked really, really impressive against Wolves, didn't they? And the, you know... The, you look at that team now, and that front six in particular looks like it could win any game of football. Uh, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Curtis Jones, who's been really impressive under the radar, um, Salah, Firmino, Mane. And then you've got pretty much 
what four fifths of their uh, of a really good Premier League back five there. Um, I thought uh, Kaleha, the guy who, uh, who stepped in for Allison instead of Adrian, has looked really really solid. Um, he's he's really impressed me. Um, obviously at right back, Nico Williams is is looking really solid as well. Trent back though, um, he obviously came on against Wolves. So then you, you're gonna be playing with Trent, Matip, Fabinho, and Robertson in, as a back four, and and to me that is still capable of um, of being one of the best defensive lines in, in the Premier League. Matip has gone under the radar, has, has been quietly exceptional, I think, for, for Liverpool this season. The way that he's played, the way that he's operated. He, he, they missed him for injury in the last couple of seasons. And, and I do think that if he was fully fit, he would have pushed Joe Gomez for that that spot alongside Van Dijk. But yeah, they, they look really, really impressive, Liverpool. And um, you know, they've got the luxury of being able to rest players um, in Denmark against Midtjylland in the Champions League ahead of this match. Uh, I think they play Fulham and then they play Tottenham next midweek. So they've got, you know, they, they might rotate a little bit here, but they've got a rest period of, in midweek um, ahead of this match, which is key. Klopp's obviously been banging his drum about the five subs and the schedule, but they're in a position now where they can um, have a little bit of a breather in midweek and, and rest some of his key players. And yeah, I, I do think that this Fulham team are improving. They're, they're getting better. They were absolutely schooled by Manchester City last week, though. And um, you know, obviously, I, I put up both teams to score on this podcast in that match. They rarely threatened 0.3 expected goals in that game. I see something similar here. I think it'll be Liverpool winning this game to nil um, quite comfortably. They, they might have this game wrapped up 2 or 3 nil after 60 minutes and just cruise home um, in vintage Liverpool style, playing within themselves almost. And, and both teams to score no is the value play in this one. I think we're around a 47% chance of both teams to score. Markets at 43%. So, decent bit of value there. And, and I think Liverpool win comfortably. All right, then we'll, we'll move on straight away to InfoGoal's highlight fixture for the weekend in, in Arsenal versus Burnley. I, I had this one down as a, an interesting game before you said that. I don't think it's going to be the greatest of games, but it's the it's the team that, that you probably think the market overestimates the most against the team that you think the market underestimates the most. So... Intrigued to to see what the odds look like from an info goal perspective on this one. Um, we've got Arsenal in fifteenth and just three places above Burnley in eighteenth. It's, I mean, in a word, woeful the start of the season for them. I'd, I know your team on Twitter took a, a bit of a dig at Arteta for for saying they created chances to win the game. I think um, the XG figures were absolutely shocking from that North London derby: zero point four four for Tottenham, zero point six six for Arsenal. And this is one it's. It's divided opinion. I think we we chatted before we started recording. You said it's it's been it's divided opinion at Pinnacle. I think it's been the same at, at uh, Infogol as well. I think when when watching the game, it did look like Arsenal were progressing the ball a little bit better. Um, certainly more so than we've seen in them in recent weeks, and they they struggled when it came to the final ball or, or trying to get a shot away. I know your your view of that is is that basically is is how Tottenham wanted them to play. Um, as for Burnley, as as we already said, they they did well to get a draw against Everton. Perhaps a bit fortunate, but but that's often the way, um, and it's it's the way they play. We we know Sean Dyche is all about results. He's not too too bothered about the performances in in games like that. But in terms of the odds, Arsenal are actually the the second favourite shortest second shortest favourite on the board this week. Um, only Liverpool in the the last game that we talked about of Fulham are a shorter price, which. I mean, it's incredible, really, that 62% win probability for Arsenal, 15% win probability for Burnley and, and 23% chance of the draw, according to the odds. The The goals market is evenly split on uh, on 2.5. It's either Burnley or the unders, Jake. It's, it's got to be that obvious. Which which one are you going for? <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm going to go for Burnley to get a result here. Um, th- there's a few reasons for that. The first one being Arsenal aren't very good. Um, I think they showed that really against Tottenham. Like I said, I I just thought that Tottenham had them exactly where they wanted them, and it was easy for Tottenham. It almost I know what I said about the you know, Spurs chasing the ball, but it was almost like they were just just sat there watching Arsenal move the ball side to side and and then heading crosses away because um, it didn't look like they had to exert too much pressure um, or energy to really sort of cause Arsenal any issues. They were just causing them themselves by um, by just aimlessly passing it between themselves, even though they were 2 0 down. There was no urgency, there was no creativity, and that's been the issue for them all season long. I think they've scored 10 goals um, in the Premier League so far this season from uh, 11 matches, which is a really just a, a woeful return. Put that in perspective, Calvert-Lewin scored 11 himself. Um, so they, they, they just aren't creating the chances. They're not, obviously, they're not. if you can't create, you can't score goals. And Arteta came out and he, he basically said that he was happy with the performance and, and that they created good opportunities. But, you know, 0.66 expected goals doesn't really represent what he was saying. And if that continues, then they're not going to move too much from the position that they're currently in, which is 15th in our XG table with a negative XG process. So, um, you know, as I said on the podcast last week, I highlighted the the underlying process from uh, Wenger's era, from Unai Emery's era, and, and now Mikel Arteta's. And they're on a, a real downward curve and, and it's only getting worse for Arteta because, you know, 13 points from 11 matches is not what you would expect from um, from Arsenal, and no matter what state they're in, really. Four wins in, the, in that time. They're now 11 points behind Tottenham and, and Liverpool. They're now, um, you know, eight points behind Leicester. They could well be even further um, behind Manchester United, nine points behind United if they win their game in hand. So it's looking a little bit bleak for them in terms of, um, you know, qualifying for Europe again. Um yeah, it really is concerning. And then you look at the home form as well, which usually the Emirates is a bit of a fortress, but they've, they've lost the last three home games to, to teams that you would expect them to, to beat, really. Um, they lost to Leicester, hammered by Aston Villa, and then they were just comfortably beaten by Wolves. So these sorts of teams, uh, Burnley aren't quite at that level, but they're not too far away. Um, and I think that Arsenal... Those defeats show that Arsenal's level is is around the bottom half of the table at the moment, and uh, I do think that this Burnley team are, are capable of getting a result. And you look at Burnley and their, their last six matches; the only defeats they've had have come against Tottenham, Chelsea, and Manchester City. So three teams that are forecast to finish in our top five, top six. Uh, three teams are obviously up there at the moment, and and they've played at Everton, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. And I would probably say that Arsenal are around that level, um, to be honest. In, in Brighton, obviously, a team that we really like underperforming. Crystal Palace are a team that are really difficult to play against and, and obviously usually between 10, uh, 11th and, and 15th and Everton too are just marginally uh, a top half team and I think Arsenal were in, in and around that cluster of teams there that I've mentioned and Burnley will fancy the chances of getting a result here especially given the low confidence that Arsenal will have at, um, at the Emirates and you factor in that fans are going to be in the stadium as well. You're going to see 2,000 fans at the Emirates. If things don't start going very well I can Imagine a few boos ringing round, um, given the current results that that they've that, you know they've seen the team pick up. So, for me, this price about Arsenal to get a win is simply laughable. Um, on a couple of accounts, I think again it's underestimating Burnley and and how difficult they are to play against, and it's overestimating how good Arsenal are. I think people are probably looking at the table, the odds maker are looking at the table and seeing Burnley in the bottom three, but 
they're probably not looking high enough up to see that Arsenal are just above them. <laughs> they're not too far away themselves. Uh, this is 15th versus 18th, but yet the team in 15th is going off um, at you know ridiculously short odds on. We make Arsenal even money, which I still think is quite generous, to be honest. Um, we're giving them a 49% chance, so yeah, just over even money, 2.05. Um, I still think that's quite generous. I'd, maybe, I'd probably make them about 46%. Um, just given what we've seen so far this season. Um, so, yeah, the, the only real play for me in this is, is just to oppose them, get Burnley on side. I mean, that the price that you're getting available for a, a double chance, you're looking at around uh, 2.5. If you wanted to go a little bit, get a bit more security, Burnley plus one and a half, I think would also be a really sensible bet and, and a bet that I think would likely come in. Um, even if Arsenal do get a narrow victory of 1-0, that bet would come in. But I, I do think that just Burnley can go there and get something, I think. As I've said, I'll say it again, Arsenal are in and around that group of teams that Burnley have played of late that they've dealt with quite well. Brighton, Crystal Palace, Everton. They've come out of those three matches unbeaten with um, five points. And I think they can go to the Emirates and get a point. Um, I don't think they'll go there and win. They've not shown me enough in attack to to warrant um, me putting them up to go, go there and get the victory. But to see them at the price that they currently are is just too big. And um, I don't think there is as big a uh, disparity between these two teams as what these odds are suggesting. Yeah, I think you've said it there. If if ever there was a team, that an Arsenal side, that are struggling to break down people that, that they didn't want to play, it's it's going to be Burnley. Um, completely agree with with the angle you're taking. And, and for Pinnacle, it's the it's the under 2.5 that's the play here. It's I don't think it's going to be a thriller. Um, as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Burnley actually got something out of the game. But... If Arsenal were going to win it, 1-0, 2-0 potentially. Other than that, 0-0 or 1-1 looks likely. So yeah, under 2.5 for, for Pinnacle's prediction. Our last game is is Leicester versus Brighton. Um, and this is one where Leicester, they j- just about got the job done against Sheffield United. Um, they're still sitting in fourth. The, the process isn't too bad. It's it's probably deserving of, of whereabouts they are in the table. Um, talked a little bit about their their penalty record and stuff like that. That's that's died off in recent weeks, um, and we haven't seen so many penalties. But they're they're still managing to get results and obviously bounce back from that that loss against Fulham. As for Brighton, I mean penalties. What we saw last night, we, we've already talked about that. I mean they're. There's a lot of talk about them on Twitter at the moment. They're they're breaking the bulk of XG models. I don't really know why they're why they're struggling so much. It was another one where they they deserve to get the win against Southampton. Um, even when you take that that penalty out of the equation, um, in terms of the odds for it, what we've got is we've got um, Brighton are at three point eight zero, which gives them a twenty six percent chance of this. Lead, uh, Leicester uh, a 2.12, which is 46% chance. And you can get the draw at a 3.48, which is a, a 28% chance. Um, the total is at 2, 2.5. It's one where it's it's pretty evenly split. The under is is taking the bulk of the action at the moment. And I mean, really Brighton have, have been most impressive in terms of their defensive performances this season. And, and certainly against teams that you would have thought had the ability to to break them down and cause them problems. They've, they've stood up to it and, and done pretty well. Is this going to be the game where they, they get something that they've worked hard for and, and do deserve, or do you think Leicester have the edge here? I think given the matchup, I do think Leicester have got the edge. I think the the way Brighton Brighton play in terms of possession football, they keep usually um keep most of the ball than their opponents and um and, and dictate the play. I do think that suits Leicester. I think that in the last couple of weeks, Leicester have had to go on the play on the front foot and try and create against the likes of Fulham and Sheffield United. And they've been hit on the counter-attack a few times, um, especially against Fulham. So it'd be nice for them to be able to 
play on the counter-attack themselves. Um, and I do think that 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 price about them to win this is actually a little bit too big. Um, you said they're about 2.12. We'd make them odds on around 1.95 to get the win here. So there is a value in backing Leicester. Um, I haven't been massively impressed with them. Um, as I said last se- uh, last week, <clears throat> they've not really wowed me yet. Um, but as I said, I just think that this game suits them. Um, the matchup really does suit them. And I think Brighton, although they have been really impressive, I mean, I did some calculations before this they've lost um or they failed to win nine matches so far this season brighton in those nine matches we've got them picking up 14.9 expected points which is um you know in those nine matches alone that would be more than what the current points that they picked up um and that's without um, assigning three points for a win that is literally based on the um, post-match probability of, of a team winning based on the chances created um, and calculating the expected points that way. So they, that just highlights how unfortunate they have been. That game against Southampton was another one in which they won the XG battle, 2 to 1.4. Um, limited Southampton to very little other than that late penalty that was very dubious at best. 0.6 non-penalty expected goals conceded in that match. So, yeah, I think moving into this game, Brighton, I, I, I see them as slightly better team than Leicester. But um, I, I think Leicester, the way that this sets up for them is, um, you know, it's, I think it's a really good game for them to to get another win under their belts. Uh, just really interesting to see they have not had a draw yet this season, Leicester. I think seven wins and four defeats. So hopefully we can keep that run going because I always find that quite interesting and quirky that no team, that team's not had a draw. Um, but yeah, Leicester to win is, is the bet that, that I'm going to put up for this one. I think that, like I said, the matchup suits them. Um, Brighton are far from solid defensively. They can be vulnerable on the counter-attack. We've, we saw that especially in, in recent games against Liverpool with their, their goal coming from a, a counter. Um, yeah, and sooner or later their luck will turn. I just don't think this is the match for it. So, lesser to win um, at what is a pretty decent price in my opinion. Right, well, that is it for, for game week 12. Ten of our games done. Hopefully, they, they all go go ahead. Fingers crossed for that that Newcastle game. But there's there's plenty of interesting games to look at. And obviously, there is there is potential and offer there for, for those that can find it. Appreciate the time, as always, Jake. Thanks for, for coming on and, and sharing some, some expert analysis of the games and, and helping our listeners inform their predictions. Cheers, Ben. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you do want to take your own analysis to the next level and and look at some of the data that we've discussed on the show in in more detail, remember to visit infogold.net, download the Infogold app on iOS and Android and follow at Infogold app on Twitter. You'll also get plenty of help with your predictions by following at Pinnacle on Twitter as well. Um, And we've got boatloads of articles that can be found on the, the betting resources section of the Pinnacle website. All of the odds for this weekend's action are now live on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and remember to please gamble responsibly. 